0: Welcome to Bailey's Writing Tips Podcast Short Stories episode number 34. A series of three short stories and some six-worders, or four short stories all under 500 words, with one episode every four weeks, usually being released on a Sunday evening UK time. To date, these have been the flash fictions that have appeared on my blog as Flash Fiction Fridays, and i give my email address out later should you like to submit your own. Today's short stories are a third batch of six-worders, then Sweet Idleness by Dorrit Kadar, A Shrinking World by Christopher Farley and Watcher by Angela Sturm. I won't be critiquing them but just simply reading them out and I hope you enjoy this format. So here are the six-word short stories and they're preceded by six-word biographies. Firstly, Kimba Dalferris, kimdalferris.com, Tall Tales Teller, In hindsight, flowers would have helped. two, yes, Doctor, it's been four hours. Then one by Tony Tibbenham. Tony Tibbenham, writing Because I Must. And his story, New Yacht, Old Rock, Swim Home. Then two by Julie Lees, juliewow.com, Living the Dream. First one, Gangland Killings. Retribution assigned, wrecked lives. Secondly, window cleaner, surreptitious glance, murder witness. Two by William Borts, afreshnewview.blogspot.com, writer, barrister, dreamer. A mountain does not know loss. And the second, water puddles, no coat to lend. Then two by Kimberly Sperling. Mum, realtor, writer, friend. And her first story, her actions, his response, unforeseen complications. And secondly, alcohol versus perseverance, winner announced tomorrow. And then two from yours truly, Morgan Bailey, it's morganbailey.wordpress.com with an E. Firstly, grey day, rain falls, feels sad. Secondly, not rocket science. Oh, it is. And now on to the three short stories. The first is Sweet Idleness, the Happy Hobo, by Dorrit Kadar. Translation from Hebrew by Anale Jenas Paneth. I have my own personal hobo. Bloomsbury Square at its finest. Majestic trees, a bench, and there he's entrenched. Every day I cross the square at a light jog, battle the calories, and throw one pound into the box. Rags hang on him frail and pale. He's always composed in the pose of a snail, and only a black tuft of hair proves that this is a human being. And today it's my birthday, so I invite him to breakfast. He straightens his pants and swears to himself. His feet are bare. At first he hesitates. Then, energetic, he rises briskly, ties the tags that were once clothes in a rope that becomes a belt. Carefully, he folds the scrap that is now a bed, empties the box of a pound and ten pence and follows me. I'm generous today. Thou may order whatever thy fancy, I say festively. Eat whatever you feel like eating, I translate. He exposes a smile that one might see on American toothpaste commercials. I have a a PhD in philosophy, he declares in a BBC English, and I turn blue. Yes, he says, this is out of choice. Still I am speechless. And he adds and chuckles, not bad, huh? We both sigh. It's my birthday today. We sit at the centre, all the diners are curious. He wants granola. There is no method to the madness, I declare, and order pancakes dipped in maple syrup. It's a sort of principle for me, he says. I only share my profits with friends or acquaintances, he states. Profits? I ask. Profits, he replies. I have a modest house in Mayfair, he adds. Mayfair? I ask. Bond Street, Mayfair, he emphasizes. A house made of paper or carton? I ask, dropping my voice by half a tone so as not to impose on his privacy. Prejudice, he accuses. And the clothing? I inquire. I am wrapped in badly sewn splendour, he declares in all earnestness. All that's missing is the cloak, I offer. Yes, he agrees, maybe at the end of the season. Why flirt with humiliation? I rebel. It's a matter of rejection, he interprets. Rejection? I wonder. A full time job is a curse, he clarifies. We both sigh. I have a pretty well developed idleness, I reveal. I have a natural gift for it, he chuckles. Idleness is like a kiss, said Jerome Jerome. He laughs and rises. Many thanks, he says. Maybe some cake, I offer. The time is up. I have to get back to the bench. He grunts, sighs, tut-tuts and disappears. And secondly, A Shrinking World by Christopher Farley. The greens and greys reflect on the surface of the lake. It's almost 11pm and it's still hot and humid. There may be another storm tonight. More water. At least the clouds will block out the sun, which won't set, not this far north. It's like having a yellow moon in the night sky, or what should be night. You see, Greenland really is a green land now. The glaciers turned into water quite a while ago. This high up on the plateau, we're safe from the rising waters, for now. Ice at the North Pole? That's a memory for some of us. For others, the kids, it's just a myth like dragons and hordes of gold. Oh, the push on the boundaries of science. Fools. In their search to prove or disprove something called Higgs boson with their atom-particle collider, something went wrong, horribly. They shrunk the planet. Continents started sliding under or over each other, and the world, as the old communication advert used to say, just got smaller. All that water had to go somewhere, so it went up. The world became estranged mountain communities, the Rockies, Andes, Himalayas. I even heard there's a small alpine community, but no one has ever returned to confirm this. They want to, and they try. They leave in old rusty ships from time to time. People still insist on leaving, buoyed by hope, but not by water. The oceans are far too dangerous now. The earth has become one continuous stretch of water, so when a storm hits there's no longer any land mass to break up the huge waves that just continue to build and the wind continues to blow. I've heard even the most massive ships wouldn't have a chance out there. My chance? I'll take it on the land under my feet, what remains of it, and hope. At one time the world worried about nuclear war and an atomic winter. Now the earth's crust is edging nearer its core and it keeps getting hotter. They created an atomic particle summer and the waters keep on rising. And then finally, Watcher by Angela Sturm. I can see him making his way up the stairs. No one else appeared to notice. I called to him and he smiled. I took his outstretched hand and in an instant, we were walking through the cornfield, talking, laughing, knowing. I suspect this will be our last outing together. I want to cry, but for some reason I can't. I'm strangely happy, content to say nothing. I know what he's doing, and why he's doing it. He loves me. He wants me to be the first to know. I can hear crying in the background, and people talking in hushed tones, moving about, but I can't see anyone. Can you see them? I asked. Yes, I can, he said. You will see them soon enough. We continued to walk, and although our lips weren't moving, our conversation carried on. I'm having trouble remembering much of anything said. I only know how peaceful this is, and I never want to leave. I held tightly to his hand. Memories of early morning fishing expeditions, milk toast, and that awful smell of head cheese he loved to make filled my mind and made us both laugh. I remember him clothing and feeding the homeless, and that silly dance he did every morning while singing the wake-up song, pulling at his hair and making it stick up. I was laughing so hard I barely noticed that we'd stopped walking. He's looking at me now, time standing still. He looks so serious, gently placing his hand on my cheeks, "'searching deep into my eyes. "'I think I saw a tear trickle down his face. "'I have only ever seen him cry once, "'and it was when he told me stories about the war "'and how no man should have to endure what he witnessed. "'War killed his spirit. "'I can feel my tears now. "'Our journey has come to an end. "'The fields have disappeared. "'He's not holding my face any more.' "'Desperate, I call out his name. "'I'm right here, Princess. Don't be afraid. "'I can barely see him. I call out again. "'Why are you so far away?' "'It's time,' he said. "'I'm going home.' "'Then a soft white light, "'or more like a white cloud, appeared. "'He drew closer and smiled at me for the last time, "'then disappeared into the white fog.' A door opened somewhere. More crying. I hear my name. Something has my shoulder. Ava. Ava. Wake up, honey. I turn to look at the clock. It's after midnight. Dad and I need to talk to you. My room is filled with family. They're staring at me. Grandpa died in his sleep, they said. In heaven now. But I already knew this. I watched him go. And now a little about the authors of these three flash fiction pieces. Dorit Kadar travels around the world looking for inspirational places to write her books. She was a special education art teacher in the morning and a religious studies student in the afternoon, completing her MA degree and researching societies and their beliefs in the first millennium in the ancient East for her thesis. She then wrote her book Lilith, the Jewish Demoness, A Thousand Years of Borderline Personality Disorder. This was followed by articles and lectures about ancient life, recruiting angels, demons and spirits, and about amulets and incantation bowls. Dorrit carried on studying journalism and museum studies. All this while raising two wonderful daughters and one dog. Her website is lilith.co.uk and the spelling of that is L-I-L-I-T-H. And her books can be found on Amazon.com and Amazon.co.uk. Christopher Farley. He lived a sheltered life in the wilds of Kent, England, from where he was saved by the written word, so much so that he still corresponds with certain people with a pen and paper. Upon moving to London, a bit like Dick Whittington, searching the streets for gold, he happened upon a beautiful Italian lady, who later decided to take him to the sunny realms of southern Switzerland, where he can still be found, smiling inanely, continuously in search of vice beer. When he's not working or drinking, he sits in front of the computer, searching for fictional inspiration. You can find Chris via his blogs, christopherfarley.wordpress.com and talkingtosh.wordpress.com. And all the links I've mentioned will be listed on this episode's page of my blog. Angela Sturm is a freelance writer, blogger and book reviewer currently working on a novel. Angela lives in Minnesota, is mother to three children and one grandchild, and blogs at mind dot com. That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And I look forward to bringing you the next episode of Short Stories in four weeks' time. All the links mentioned in these shows are listed on the podcast Short Stories page of my blog, which is morganbailey.wordpress.com. And the spelling of my name is m-o-r-g-e-n bailey.wordpress.com. And my email address, same spelling, Morgan with an e, is morgan at morganbailey.com. The podcast is available via iTunes, Google's Feedburner, Podbean, when it catches up, Podcasters, which takes even longer, or Podcast Alley, which doesn't list the episodes, but will let you subscribe.